0: Morning. We are kicking off a mini-series. Um, Do you see how I did that? Just interchangeable. Um, kicking off a mini-series looking at, at money and more specifically what does God have to say about money, how we view it and how we use it. So we've got three sermons in this series and then after that we'll be back into uh, the book of Acts again um, which has been our ongoing series and probably will be until about 2028. Um, before I say anything further on this I just want to acknowledge that this can be a hard thing to have a church-wide conversation about, especially in uh, the current climate, because we're in the, in the middle of a cost-of-living crisis, aren't we? Um, gas prices within the last week have gone up by uh, 56.3% locally. Um, if you're a parent of a child who goes to school, then you've probably just taken a really big hit on school uniforms during the summer. Um, Up until last year, all three of our boys were in primary school. Um, In September there, or at the end of August, our eldest boy started uh, big school. And we were just quite shocked by just the the step increase in in just how much uniform and branded sportswear and all that sort of stuff is required. Um, So from the outset, I just want to say I get it. Um, I get that this this can be just difficult for some of us, and I want to try and approach this sensitively. Um, and without um, without anybody feeling like judged or or a sense of shame and and I wasn't actually planning to say this but interestingly I was not so long ago I was on a, like a, a group chat and somebody was looking sponsorship um, and they kind of took a bit of an aggressive approach in terms of how they were going to get that sponsorship and so at Ben Couples I've noticed you haven't given yet. <laughs> right so that that happened and it was done in, in humor but actually it didn't make me feel wonderful <laughs> right um, it made me feel a little bit judged and uh, needless to say I wasn't too happy about it um but like I, I I would hate for any of us to kind of feel like that this morning or over the next few weeks as we just approach this topic together so um, just know that, that that there's grace in this place Um we all come to Jesus uh, equally as his sons and daughters and we all approach the throne of grace and uh, he, is, he is with us, so he is. Um, maybe for some of you it's been really tight and really hard and the last thing I want to do over the, the next wee while is, is make you feel even worse or, or, or make you feel burdened, but actually what I want to do, whether you're living with plenty or whether you're living in need, is point you towards Jesus. And we know from the scriptures, don't we, that when we're facing storms, that he's the best person to have on our boat, isn't he? Yeah. So we want Jesus in our boat. We're in a a bit of a storm, this cost of living crisis. If you believe the media, um, which this time I do, actually, it looks like it it might get a little bit worse before it's going to get better. But what I want us to do over this season is make sure we stay close to Jesus, and it's interesting, actually, because we have been intending to do this mini-series for a while with without any intention on my part. It just happened to follow the passage at the end of Acts chapter 4, which Peter unpacked for us so well last week. And if you remember, if you were here last week and you, and you remember, you remember that those verses talked all about money and possessions and how the believers cared for each other and gave generously to those amongst them who were in need. So as I said, it was unplanned. It feels a little bit like we've been set up. Maybe, just maybe, God might want to say some things to us about money and possessions. Jesus talked about money all the time. 15% of his recorded words were related to money or possessions. And in the Bible as a whole, there are twice as many verses devoted to money than to faith and prayer combined. There's a powerful relationship between our true spiritual condition and our attitude and actions concerning money and possessions. So that's why we're going to have this conversation, because we're passionate about becoming followers of Jesus who are fully alive. We don't want to miss out on the calling that God has for us as a church and as individuals. We want to be relentless in our pursuit of God and his kingdom. And what I, want, uh, what, what I don't want to do is just talk to you about tithes and offerings. Yes, that's an important part of this, and I will be unpacking that uh, uh, the first Sunday in October. But what I actually want to do before we get there is journey this holistically. If money is causing you great anxiety and stress, then my prayer over this series is that God would lead you to the place of trust, and that as we journey this, together you can know true freedom perhaps you're sitting here today and, and maybe you're just aware that perhaps you've just made some unhealthy choices around money and my prayer for you is that you can know God's grace and you can know his love and you can receive wisdom to be able to handle and steward what God has given you And then I'm also aware that for some of you sitting here today, you have actually been really faithful stewards of what God has given you, and perhaps you're kind of listening to me. We did a similar series, more or less the same series back in 2019, and perhaps you've listened to some of this stuff before. Um, But but actually, I I felt specifically that God um, wanted to say well done to some of you. You've so generously into God's kingdom, often at great cost. And I felt specifically that for some of you, you actually have authority to model this out and disciple others. And so, um, don't sweat you off if you're if you're in that category and you've kind of you've got this, it's clicked, because actually you have a responsibility and authority to model us out and to teach others and to disciple others. And one of the wonderful things about church being a family is that some of you get to, to mother or father or, big, or be big brother or big sister in so many different ways. So just know that you have permission to do that. So let's pray together before we go any further. Father, we just thank you that you're faithful. All your promises are yes and amen. Oh Lord, as we look to the future this morning, in so many ways, as we, uh, as we just go through a period of great change for our nation at this time, with changing leadership, both a, a prime minister and a, and a, and a new monarch, Lord, we know that we can trust in you. We know that you're faithful. Lord, we ask for your hand upon those who lead us. And Lord, we ask for your hand upon us. That this morning as we as we begin to journey this together, we'll know your peace just resting upon us, just soothing our hearts, that we'll know you as Father, who cares for us, who provides for us, who's actually done everything for us. Thank you for your presence here today, Lord. Amen. Amen. So, if you have a Bible with you, or an electronic device with verses on it, or perhaps you just want to look at the screen, we're in Matthew chapter 6. We're going to kick off in uh, verse 24 this morning. It's right in the middle of the famous Sermon on the Mount, and, and this is what Jesus had to say about money to those gathered on the mountainside. He said, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And in most older translations, uh, we read, you cannot serve both God and mammon. So you might be wondering, what is mammon? Mammon was the word, that Jesus chose to use on this particular occasion. And it's worth noting that mammon and money are not one and the same. Okay, Money itself is a neutral thing. It can be used for either good or evil, but that depends on who has it and whether they serve God or mammon. And our dear friend N.T. Wright says, Mammon was a way of referring to property and wealth in general, almost as though it were a God, which is precisely Jesus' point here. Mammon is a Chalde or Syriac word meaning wealth or riches. The spirit of Mammon has its roots in Babylon and Mammon is actually a a powerful spiritual force at work in our world today and it's it's really important that we're aware of it because Jesus said you can't serve God and Mammon. In other words, Mammon is looking for servants or followers. And in return, it promises to provide you with identity, security, influence, and power if you'll devote yourself to it. Mammon sets itself up as a, a rival, counterfeit God. It's it's an idol, one that many in our day and in our time have bowed to knee to and pledged their devotion to now that language might seem quite strange to talk about uh, mammon in those terms as an idol because we don't have statues we don't walk down main street and see shrines set up to mammon at least i, I haven't yet maybe maybe you've spotted those and um, we don't have those out in the, s- the public square as as other cultures do I spent about um, four months in India just after I left school, and there, everywhere you go, there are temples and idols set up to hundreds of different gods. But for us, it's, it's a little bit more covert, but believe me, our culture is still filled with idols. In Ezekiel uh, chapter 14, uh, God says about the elders of Israel, "'These men have set up their idols.'" In their hearts and Timothy Keller a well-known author um, and pastor in from New York he says um, God was saying he comments on this verse God was saying that the human heart takes good things like a successful career love material possessions even family and turns them into ultimate things our hearts can deify them as the centre of our lives because we think they can give us significance and security, safety and fulfilment if we can attain them. Just let that digest a little bit. Always find it Timothy Keller's just packed with packed with lots of uh, things that make us think, and it takes sometimes a cup of coffee and. A bit, of, a bit of a pause to digest what it is he's saying to us. So we might not have idols of, of bronze or gold, but each one of us faces a battle every day for what we allow our hearts to worship. We battle against idols of the heart. And Jesus, he singled out mammon as the single biggest competitor for your affection and your devotion. Whether you realize it or not, all of us worship someone or something. And what we worship or idolize, we also serve. And our hearts and our lives are shaped and formed by who or what we worship. So we all worship something. And that thing that we worship, it shapes our lives. So it's really important to get this right. And Jesus is saying here, it can't be both. It can't be God and mammon. You can't serve both God and mammon. Now, it's not wrong to want money. It's not wrong to need money. All of us need to buy uh, food and clothes and for the necessities of life. It's not wrong to enjoy the blessings that money can bring, like a nice holiday or good food and fine wine perhaps, or a nice holiday house. There's nothing wrong with any of those things. But the problem comes when we make wealth and material possessions into an idol. When something good that we enjoy becomes something that we desire and we must have it at all costs, then we've committed idolatry. It's not wrong to have nice things. It's not wrong to drive uh, nice cars it's not wrong to spend money on things that we enjoy but when good things become ultimate things when we must have them to be happy then we've made them into an idol we've given them a place in our heart that only god should have so i'm not saying go and give everything you have away go and sell it uh, Get rid of your car, you're getting a bus from now on. Um, get rid of your shoes, you're walking barefoot from now on. None of that sort of stuff. You'll be glad to know. Um, it's, it's, it, this is about our hearts, actually. This is about who's king of our hearts. James Bryan Smith says, Money and wealth and material possessions are not the real issue. Our hearts are. It's possible to be very poor and serve mammon. It's possible to be wealthy and have a kingdom heart. The outward issue, money or lack thereof, is not important. The inward issue, where our heart is set, is what really matters. Jesus contrasts God and mammon because they compete for our hearts. And at other times when Jesus talked about mammon, he called it deceitful mammon. Deceitful mammon. Mammon lies to you. It's a lying spirit. It tries to trick you and deceive you. It makes false promises to you. If you just have that car or that house, then you'll be happy. It causes us to covet what other people have. Have you ever gone to uh, somebody else's house uh, and uh, perhaps for a birthday party or dinner or whatever and, uh, and then you've come home afterwards uh, and you've just felt discontent and you just feel like oh, only I had what they had. Your house was perfectly fine before you left it and you went over to your friend's house but then whenever you came back you started to feel discontent and you were sitting down afterwards perhaps and before you know it you're on property finder looking for a new house. Yeah, I see a couple of people nodding. I'd say that's happened to a few of us. Well, that's mammon lying to us. You need this to be happy. It drives us to buy things we can't afford and make rash decisions to satisfy the desires of our heart. Mammon is also a prideful spirit. It says, I can make it on my own. My security is in my mammon. My security is in mammon. Mammon invites you to put your hope and trust in it instead of Jesus. But unlike Jesus, mammon is a cruel master. When we serve mammon, it demands our devotion. Just another few Hours in the office, just another weekend away from my family. I'm so close to that promotion which is going to get me that life-changing salary. And once I get that, then I'll stop. Once I have that thing, then I'll be happy and I'll stop spending. And when we serve and we end up placing our health and our relationships on its altar. Mammon can uh, cause us to be greedy and wasteful, but it can also intimidate us and cause us to hoard away. It can tell you that you can't be generous or you can't give to God because you don't have enough. And you might recognize that as a narrative in your own life. You can't be generous or you can't spend because you don't know what's around the corner. So it could sound like this. I've got a great job now, but who knows what tomorrow might bring. So I really need to be super careful. really need to be extra careful. I can't buy this or I can't give to this because I just really need to make sure I've got enough hoarded away in case something might happen. And whether we're being greedy or whether we're hoarding, it doesn't really matter. Mammon has us and is controlling us. And if we follow the way of Mammon, it will shape and form our hearts. let me say this, I'm not dismissing the idea of saving for the future and putting money away into a pension plan or anything like that. Um, I put money away into a pension plan and have done for many years. And when that's done from the place of peace and security in Jesus, then that's actually a really wise thing. But when we're hoarding away because we're fearful, then that's when it starts to go wrong. Right? Does that make sense? Yeah? Good. You're with me. Maybe you recognize the power of mammon competing for your affection and your devotion. Maybe as I speak this morning, you're beginning just to recognize some of the lies that the enemy has been speaking to you. And what I invite you to do is, is to get alone with Jesus and begin to ask the question, Jesus, will you show me where I may have been putting other things in front of you? Show me where I may have believed the lies that the enemy has whispered in my ear as followers of Jesus we trust in him and uh, uh, this mouse, it, i i am um, i was looking at it again yesterday it's uh, it's a it's a daily reminder anytime I'm on my church laptop i see the word trust you can't see it from there but it's just, it's, it's it's a trust mouse and it's in front of me every time i use my church Laptop, And it's a brilliant reminder to trust in him, in God we trust. His way is not the way of this world, and he leads us down a different road. Jesus invites us to put our trust in him as the provider of our needs. Where mammon says, store up for tomorrow, Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough worries of its own. True security can only be found in Jesus. He alone is our hope for the future and our security. True happiness is found in him. And in the Sermon on the Mount, which we were reading from Matthew chapter 6, Jesus goes on to say, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food? and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. First Peter 5, verse 7 says, Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. And as followers of Jesus, we've been invited to choose a different path, one of faith and hope and trust in Jesus, who has promised to provide for our every need. So that song we were singing earlier, um, All Your Promises Are Yes and Amen. Um, I don't know how many of you were here at the end of July, wasn't it, when we did the, the, the encounter night? Give me a wave if you were here. Yeah, we did that song, and we had a team from Belfast City Vineyard, and and Karen who was along. She 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 just felt like God was moving in the room, um, and that there was power in actually declaring God's promises, declaring His goodness out over us. And so we we, we just we we just began to do that, and I, I felt like the Lord met with me in a profound way in these in that moment, and. And, and began to remind me uh, uh, of some of the promises that he's spoken to me, and some of the promises he's spoken to us as a church as well, and, uh, and I just felt like my faith was was strengthened, my faith was increased, and um, the next day, it was a, a Monday, and I was working from home, and around sort of half 10, 11, I was getting hungry, and needed, wanted, didn't need, wanted something to eat from this bar, which is across the road, so I... I Started to w- walk towards the, the car park and in my head I'm thinking back through this and I'm singing and I'm humming, oh, your promises are yes. And I, and I look up and there's a v- I'll show you the picture. I didn't put it on the laptop. I'll show you the picture of this van and promises. Just this big white van that was delivering bread. <laughs> promises. And I went. I actually took a picture and I texted Kath. How good is he? How good is our dad that he just throws up reminders like that to us? That he is faithful, that all his promises are yes and amen. That he provides for us, that he is good, that he never leaves us, that we can trust him, that he cares for us. How good is he? And how many times do we forget that? It's so easy to forget that. But let us be reminded this morning that he is king. He is Lord and he is dad. And he has us and he holds us. In uh, contrast to mammon, a harsh master who, that takes from us and will lead us to our death, we have a king who gave up his everything to make us his treasure. And as sons of, and daughters of the king, our identity is found in Jesus. We are sons and daughters of the king. Last night, I was just kind of looking through my notes and kind of got to this point And I looked up at the bookshelf, just kind of looking left. And I saw this book just kind of came out towards me. And the book was called, I Am Your Father. So I think he wants to, to remind us this morning that he is our Father, that he loves us and he cares for us. First John 3, verse 1 says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. So Jesus promises us security and provision for all of our needs. So how can we dethrone mammon and make sure Jesus is the king of our hearts? How can we find freedom in this area of money and possessions. Well, the best place to start is to remind ourselves of God's goodness and kindness. He's the God of more than enough, and he has all that we ever need and more. Psalm 23, uh, we all know it, we all love it. Its words soothe our souls, and its truth dethrones the idol of mammon in our hearts. And this is just one of the wells that I love to drink from. There's so much promises that God has packed into uh, our Bibles, your Bibles, that we can draw from. But this is one of the wells that I often drink from. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths, For his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley. Even though we walk through a cost of living crisis. We will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff. They comfort me. You prepare a table before me. In the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I love that song, Goodness of God, that talks about your goodness is running after me. It's running after me. If you're struggling to trust God, if you're facing a battle of the heart, if you feel like you don't have enough, then get your Bible open and perhaps meditate on Psalm 23. Let its words stir up hope in God's goodness and provision for you. Paul wrote to the Colossians and said, Since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above not on earthly things. And that's what we must do. Setting our minds on the truth of who God is and what he says about us will dethrone Mammon. Another scripture I often read and meditate on is Psalm 91. This was a dear friend of mine during COVID. Uh, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, he is my refuge In my fortress, my God, in whom I trust. Psalm 16. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. And I could go on and on with wonderful verses reassuring us of God's promises over those who trust and follow him, a promise of security and provision. And one of the things that I've found helpful over the years is to print out some key verses and stick them somewhere handy. Like for a number of years, the back of my uh, wardrobe door had tons of verses. And at uh, times when I was doubting and wrestling about who I was or, or what God says about my future... I just read them out loud as I was putting on my tie or whatever in the morning. And I just declared them over my life. And what happens when we soak in the truth of God's word is that the fears and the lies and the anxiety that the enemy tries to burden our hearts with just begins to loosen and we become planted in his truth. That's why back at the end of July and often as in times of worship we will we will we will corporately do that. We'll declare out God's goodness. Because we know that there's power in that. There's power when we speak out and declare truth. Things happen, lies are broken, and we become planted in his truth. Here's some of the other ways that we can dethrone mammon and find freedom in Jesus. We can practice gratitude. Um, our friend uh, Andy Masters, who leads Lagan Valley Vineyard, often says um, gratitude is the birthplace of the miraculous. Uh, did you ever know? Did you ever notice what happened when there was five thousand hungry people gathering, needing fed? The disciples' focus was on how much they lacked. So they said to Jesus, We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish. Jesus said, Bring them here to me. And he directed the people to sit down in the grass, taking the five loaves of bread and two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke the loaves. It's so much easier to look at where we lack than to give thanks for what we we have, even if it seems like what we have is, is very little. Apparently, the the average person uh, complains once a minute during a typical uh, conversation. And when you repeat a behavior such as complaining, what happens is that your your neurons branch out to each other to ease the flow of information. Neurological pathways uh, begin to form in your brain. And before you know it, you've become a pathological complainer, focused on the little and the lack. But that's not the way we've been called to live in the kingdom. Paul says to the church in Thessalonica, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. A number of years ago, I bought a little notebook and at the end of every day, I wrote down three things that I was thankful for. And uh, probably during a time whenever our kids still woke us up during the night, so I was always tired. um, And uh, thankfully, they don't really do that anymore. Praise God. but I was often tired, and when you're tired, you just feel sometimes like complaining more. And so, for me, this was kind of one of the things that just helped me to stay thankful in that season. And after a while, it began to rewire my brain. And research shows that those who practice gratitude regularly have a reduced level of the stress hormone cortisol, 23% lower, apparently, Uh, Not only that, but they had an improved mood, more energy, and substantially less anxiety. No wonder Paul tells us to be thankful. And I can tell you, from my experience, that if you build this rhythm into your life, the Spirit of God will start to renew and rewire your mind. Gratitude dethrones mammon. And so does giving. It cuts at the cords of Mammon. and giving and generosity shape our hearts like nothing else. A little earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus had said to those gathered, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moths and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Also, I should know how to say moths because they destroyed our sofa in November. <laughs> we had a moth infestation in our sofa and it was like, it was my favorite sofa. I loved it. Perhaps Jesus was trying to teach me something. It had like, you could, you could pull a little lever and it would go up and you could recline and ah, oh, life's just never been the same since. I should stop complaining, shouldn't I? God is good. Um, but I should know how to say moths. Uh, A few years ago, I was getting a little bit discontented about our house and and complaining a little bit, and I was kind of going down the line. If we didn't give away so much for kingdom purposes, then we could have a bigger house and a nicer car and, and all that sort of stuff. And it was just tempting for a while to take the portion set aside for God's kingdom and to spend it on ourselves. And in the midst of my discontent, I felt God say to me, whose house do you care about more? Your house or my house? What do you say to that? Uh, All right then. Now, it's not wrong to want a nicer car. It's not um, wrong to want a a, a nicer house. It's not wrong to spend your money on nice things. God's given us money to bless us, but we need to be careful not to let our hearts become more focused on what we need and what we want more than his kingdom. So whose kingdom do you care about? His kingdom or your kingdom? Jesus says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. We're only here for a moment. So seek first his kingdom. As a church, we've been able to welcome people into the kingdom because of your generosity. We've been able to meet here on Sundays as new people gather to us and encounter Jesus afresh. We've seen healings. We've seen break free. We've been able to afford to pay for kids' rooms and see our children grow in faith. Do you know what I was just uh, just thinking about earlier, as as we were coming in, Heather, uh, was that we've never had to cancel kids. Like, that's right, isn't it? We've never had to cancel kids. So, God's provided the people to lead our children. And even though sometimes it's been like, oh, I don't know where we're going to get these people from, we've never had to cancel that. God has been good and He's provided. Last month, um, I reminded us about just how much we've seen God do amongst us over the last five years. It's been astounding. Lives have been changed. We've seen people healed physically and emotionally. We've seen people set free. And many of you have seen God's provision. New jobs, better jobs, new homes. We've learned them. we're learning to walk confidently and securely in God's love and grace. And I spent about 10 minutes back in August recounting some of the things that we've seen God do. And so I'm not going to run through that again. But let me just say, isn't it such a joy when his kingdom comes because of our generosity that's what's beginning to happen here in our community little by little step by step god's building his kingdom amongst us and it's a beautiful thing and we've also been able to give away and bless others as a church we actually build giving into our budget we aim to give away 10 percent of to other kingdom ministries that don't directly benefit us some of the things we've been able to give to, we've been able to inv- give to invest in vineyard churches UK and Ireland as they train and equip the next wave of church planters and leaders. We've been able to give directly to church plants in Larn and Lisbon in Portugal. This year, we've been back in March. We've been able to support churches and Christian ministries in Ukraine. We've been able to give internationally to some missionaries who are bringing the kingdom in the Middle East. We've been able to bless and sow into the wonderful work of Banna. We've been able to give to other local ministries, including North Down Storehouse, who are fighting food poverty across this community. We've been able to support the work of caste ministries who do amazing work in Catholic schools right across Northern Ireland. That's not all. It's just some of the ways that we've been able to bless all our kingdom ministries. Your generosity has reached way more lives than you probably realize. And I'm not trying to blow our trumpet as a church. We should be doing that. That's part of what it means, just to hold everything that God gives us lightly and to give back and sow in to what he's doing, not just here, but right across our community, right across the the nations as he builds his kingdom. So I'm not blowing our trumpet as a church, but I just want you to know that that's some of the ways that your generosity has been able to actually sow into the kingdom of God. It's reached way more lives than you've probably realized. We know the joy it brings us in our community, when the lost come home. And we get to sow into that here in our community as well as sowing into what God is doing in places like Lisbon and Larn and the Middle East and Ukraine. It's a joy just to be part of it. So just as we wrap up this morning, and the worship team want to come and join me again talked all about how mammon competes for our hearts and we want to be a people who have our eyes fixed on Jesus. So let us dwell on his truth. Let us soak ourselves in his word. Let us declare out his promises over our lives. Let us become a people who practice gratitude, who build a realm into our lives. Go go to Tesco's on the way home and get yourself a little notebook if that helps you and just begin to let God rewire your mind. And giving as well. These are just some of the ways that we can dethrone Mammon and make Jesus the King of our hearts. And that's what I invite you to do today. So why don't you stand? talked about Jesus being um, the king of our hearts if you don't know Jesus, if you've never asked him to come and be king of your heart then there's just an opportunity today to give your yes to him and so we'd love to pray with you later and lead you in that but for all of us there's another opportunity to say Jesus you're king I serve only you I trust you I know that you're more than enough that you care for me that you provide for me so Lord just now as we as we worship again would you impress on us just how much you love us just how much you care for us your peace and love just come and fill this place thank you that you're here thank you that you're with us you never leave us you never leave us just to fend for ourselves we're never alone even in the darkest valleys even in the worst storms we're never alone You're with us. So Jesus, draw close to us. In your name I pray. Amen.